and welcome to the latest podcast in our 2022 ESG Summer School series. I am Sarah Martin, a counsel in the ESG team, and I am joined by James Marlowe, one of our managing associates. Today, we are going to talk about human rights disclosures and why they are different to other disclosures. But before we get into the disclosures themselves, it's helpful to first talk about why we're talking about disclosures at all. And James, can you elaborate on that? Thanks, Sarah, and hi, everyone. Uh, so I think there are a couple of points behind this. The first is the rise up the ESG agenda of the social limb and business and human rights matters that we've seen over the last couple of years, particularly starting with things like COVID and the stories that came to light around people's supply chains uh, and obviously the murder of George Floyd. What we've also seen in this space is a move from soft law initiatives uh, into hard law. Uh, and the emergence of business and human rights law seen in things like the UK Modern Slavery Act, the French Devoir de Vigilance, and the EU's recent proposal on corporate sustainability due diligence, which are, although increasingly substantive, also including an element of disclosure and in requiring companies to report on what they're doing on social and business and human rights topics. There's also been a stakeholder push for transparency on policies and processes in place, similar to that that we've seen in respect of environment and climate change. So we know, James, that human rights disclosures are of increasing interest to stakeholders and they're also being required by regulators. But what makes them different to other disclosures? That's a really good question. And I think one of the main points to make is the often complex and very sensitive nature of human rights issues is what really makes them more challenging for companies to deal with. Um, I think you can see that in the fundamental nature of human rights as well, compared to the difficulty of dealing with them. No one wants to say in their disclosures that they aim to respect human rights because that's just what's expected by stakeholders. But at the same time, with increasingly complex and international value chains and international operations, some of which are bound to be in very complicated jurisdictions, it is difficult, especially given the increasingly scrutinized nature of the area, to say that you ensure you respect human rights or you have a zero tolerance approach. And the other point I'd make on that is that human rights is really an area which brings home the need to focus on double materiality. Often human rights impacts, for instance, especially if they're occurring far down your supply chain, might seem quite small impacts to the company, which means applying a purely uh, financial lens on in terms of impacts on the company isn't going to work in the same way that it does with financial disclosures. You need to look at the materiality from the perspective of the affected stakeholders. And that can be quite difficult to deal with as well, particularly when you've got, as I say, these international uh, supply chains and operations, which mean you don't necessarily have the complete oversight of everything that's going on. But I suppose in light of those two difficulties, Sarah, you and I have reviewed a number of disclosures this year. And um, in your view, what should companies look to do in preparing good human rights disclosures? Well, James, you've done a very good job of outlining um, the challenges that there are um, with respect to human rights disclosures. And so I think um, in preparing good human rights disclosures, work needs to go into articulating those challenges in a way that stakeholders will be able to understand. Um, and this will include disclosure of what the concrete risks are and the steps that companies have taken to address them. It's not enough to include information on commitments and policies in the abstract. 
and the use of case studies can be particularly effective here. We should note that the FRC earlier this year in the context of looking at modern slavery reporting practices in the UK pointed to the fact that disclosure was poor, poor on detail and often failed to provide information on how policies operated in practice or how their effectiveness was measured. And so companies should bear this in mind when preparing their human rights disclosures. Companies should also consider the risk that their human rights disclosures might be challenged on the basis that they could be seen to be social washing. So that is creating an impression that the company is doing more on human rights issues than is actually the case. Companies should also consider the extent to which they can prepare reactive communications and have answers ready to additional questions posed by shareholders or other stakeholders, including NGOs, on any particular risks that might be identified as part of their disclosures. And behind all of this needs to sit a robust compliance framework to ensure that the, to ensure that the disclosure that is made is accurate and that it's consistent with what has been said elsewhere. Thanks, Sarah. So I think what I take away from that is companies should look at articulating challenges, uh, which I know cannot always be an e easy ground, but something uh, to consider when dealing with a difficult topic, and then providing concrete uh, examples uh, and disclosures that really show how everything is working on the ground, uh, while also being mindful uh, of fair or social washing, uh, as we've seen in the context of climate disclosures with the focus on greenwashing. Well, I think that's all for this one, Sarah, uh, and we'll look forward to people joining into our next podcast.